guys. You're listening to Mama Knows Podcast with your host, Nina Cavajola, aka Balconina. Join in weekly as she walks alongside you to navigate topics around motherhood, mental health, self-love, and relationships. The good, bad, and funny. Trigger warning on today's episode, we are talking about infertility, endometriosis, hemorrhaging, and traumatic birth experiences. My friend Melissa Rendazzo opens up about her several-year journey with all of the things I just listed. She is inviting us into her personal life and making us feel less alone. I'm so grateful for her. So let's jump in. Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited that you reached out with this topic. It is something that I'm extremely passionate about. Trauma, birth trauma and infertility and just advocating for yourself as a woman. I feel like we're not really taught to do that, especially yeah. in our healthcare system. So I think this is so important and I'm so happy to talk to you about this today. Uh, will you tell us a little bit about you and how you got to be here and why you want to share your story? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I'm very vocal about my story because I feel like it's important to show women that um, it's okay to speak up sometimes and sometimes you need to and the repercussions of what happens when you don't speak up. Um, So yeah, so I struggled from infertility for quite a few years. And then after my infertility struggles, I gave birth to a a premature son, very prematurely, three months early. And then I had a a whole bunch of trauma with my second birth as well. But um, it kind of uh, all led me to where I am now. I'm I'm a social worker by day. Um, And so I'm very much so about my, my job is literally to advocate for people and to teach people how to advocate for themselves. And so when I had the opportunity to share my story with you know, anybody that I could, I just want to scream it and and tell people. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that you have that social work background too. I feel like uh, social workers are a lot like nurses and doctors, right? We just want to help people. And uh, I actually almost went into social work. Yeah, well, I almost went into nursing. Actually, <laughs> did you? They kind of they totally go hand in hand. Um, Except I can't I can't handle blood, so that's why I stayed away from it. <laughs> um, okay, so you said you had a couple years of infertility. Do you mind going a little bit more into that and how what what you did? Yeah, so um, I was newly married, and this is going back about six years ago. And it was six months before my wedding. And um, I was all of a sudden getting these horrific pains every time I had my period. I've never had that issue before. Um, But it it was it came out of nowhere. And the pain was so bad that I would literally not be able to get off of my bathroom floor. And so every month when I had my period um, and this pain, I would go to my gynecologist at the time who I no longer see. And you'll learn why. Um, And I would say there's something wrong. And he would tell me it's just part of being a woman. And I can give you pain medication if you want. And I was like, "Mm, I mean, I'm telling you that it's more like there's something more going on. And month after month, he would brush me off. And finally, my wedding day was approaching. And I I told him, I was like, I'm terrified. Like, you need to do something because I can't have this pain at my wedding. So he put me on birth control pills so I could skip my period. And, you know, my wedding was fine. 
But then right after we got married, we started trying for a baby right away because like that, that was just our plan. That's what we wanted. And um, so I came off of the birth control. A year went by every month, still getting these intense pains, wasn't getting pregnant, kept going to my doctor, kept telling him something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. And he kept telling me there was nothing wrong. And finally, at literally like the year mark, I ended up in the uh, in urgent care one night because the pain was so bad. It was a, a really bad snowstorm. And the urgent care doctor rushed me to the hospital because he he knew he felt something. He said like my my stomach was filling up with fluid and I needed to get checked. So I wound up in the hospital that night. And um, after running a bunch of tests, it wound up that my fallopian tubes were the size of baseballs. They were huge oh and God. they needed to be taken out or they needed to be examined more closely. So um, I was lucky that I already had a, an appointment with a fertility doctor coming up in like like a month from that appointment. But since I was in the hospital, the fertility doctor took me quicker. And um, he said that he felt like I might have something called endometriosis. And the only way to know is by going in and checking out, you know, what was going on inside. And so I went into surgery, not knowing anything. And I woke up from surgery, having had both of my fallopian tubes removed um, and being told that I had stage four endometriosis, which is the worst stage you can have. And it was literally all over everything. So that's the start of my fertility journey. Oh, my Um, God. (laughs) Yeah. So can I, I ask, can I ask before you went in to uh, your doctor telling him every month, something's wrong, something's wrong. Did you ask, or did he do any testing? Did you ask for any test? I mean, I shouldn't ask you if you asked, did he offer any testing, any ultrasounds, anything like that? So I, um, I was told I didn't need them. Um, I was told that an ultrasound was unnecessary because I'm on my period. So we already know everything will be inflamed. That's what I was told. Um, And at one point he even said the word endometriosis, which I've never, I've never heard of it. Um, And he said, but the only way I could diagnose you is surgery. And you don't want to go through all of that because it's probably nothing. So, and it was something, I mean, hello. Yeah. Yeah. Something. So going into the surgery, did you know that there was a risk you could lose both fallopian tubes? Yes. So my fertility doctor, who I I still see to this day, he's amazing. Um, He said, I can't guarantee that you won't wake up without having, you know, one of your tubes removed. Um, He promised that he would try his best. Um, He cleaned up all the endometriosis, but he said that it was just so bad um, because it had gone untreated for so long that there was nothing he can do. So, yeah. Oh my God. So what did you ever follow up with that doctor that just ignored you like what did you do so um sue his ass oh my god (laughs) my grandmother to this day still tells me I should be suing him but I was you know I I I decided that um while going through my my journey with IVF because IVF was our only way to get pregnant at that point um that I I did not want him to touch any part of me ever again, since he clearly had this idea that something was going on and did nothing about it. So I never went back to him. I I sort of regret it. Um, Like I wish that I was like strong enough to like say, you know, look what you did to me. You messed me up. Um, But I, you know, I live in New York, but I live in like a relatively small town in New York. It's Staten Island. 
So I kind of told everybody (laughs) that I know not to go to this doctor. And I got a lot of women to actually leave his practice and go somewhere else um, because he just doesn't take women seriously. So it was so sad. Yeah. Um, So tell me what it was like for you after you lost your Philippine tubes and you're like, now what do I do? Like, I want babies. Yeah. How was that road? That, uh, you know, I was really devastated because this was all very new to me. I mean, I I heard IVF before, but I didn't really know what it was. Um, the same thing with endometriosis. I, I, I heard the word, but I had no idea what it actually did and what it caused inside my body. Um, I was very lucky that IVF was even an option. Um, that I, you know, that I still was able to, to keep my uterus, that I was still able to, to go through the process of IVF. But it was a long and difficult process. Um, the we had to meet with a, a nurse several times, who would go over the all of the steps, injecting yourself, the medications you have to give to yourself, all the pills you have to take, um, vaginal suppositories, which I didn't even know was a thing. It, it was really rough. And um, you know, my husband is a great partner, so he he kind of had to deal with a lot of my um, physical and emotional breakdowns. Um, but we had a tough time and our first round of IVF didn't work. Um, and I, I swore that it worked. Like we, you know, we went through the whole process. It was, I don't even know how many dozens of me by the end of the process, it was hundreds of needles. Um, I was swollen. I was sore. I was bruised. Um, and then the medicine that I was given wasn't working. My body wasn't um, taking to it the way it was supposed to. So I was on like an extended procedure. So I was on the medicine like three weeks longer than most women are on. So by the time of my um, embryo transfer, I was so worn out. I, w- I was mm. just exhausted and then it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're, you're dealing with infertility. You're dealing with trying to figure out what doctor you can trust at this point. You've now lost your fallopian tubes and now you have to go through IVF. Um, can I ask, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't IVF all out of pocket too? Or is or I know some states, some insurances will cover it too. Did you yeah. have a big financial burden because of that too? Yes. Yeah, so I'm very lucky um, because I work for um, the city of New York. So we have great health insurance, but even with such good insurance, it's still only covered uh, about 70%. Yeah. So we completely wiped out our savings to go through IVF completely like like the amount of money we spent was money that I never I I couldn't have even imagined going into it. Yeah. Um and then when it didn't work the first time, then you have to put more money into it for the next round and so on and so on. Yeah. So by the end of this, we were literally living paycheck to paycheck just trying to get pregnant. Um, but even so, like, I have to say, like, I'm very lucky because we did have a, a, you know, that 70% covered. There's some, you know, families out there that don't get that. Mm. Um, so I can't even imagine how hard that is. Cause if it was hard for me, I can't even imagine how hard it would be for other people. Yeah. That was tough. Yeah. So just to kind of touch on, uh, advocating for yourself that I, I really want women to hear that piece of this because as women, we are always told like, that's normal. That's normal. Like that's just part of your body, your hormones, this and that. And you, it sounds like you kind of knew in your gut, something was wrong. Um, For a woman listening to this and kind of that might be in a similar situation, what would you say to her? Like if you could go back 
to before you had your infertility doctor, if you could go back and tell yourself, give yourself advice, what would it be? To listen to your gut. Definitely. Um, I didn't advocate for myself with that first doctor. And um, the result was everything that I went through. Um, And I made sure that after my journey was completed, that I was going to do everything in my power to tell other women and to support other women in their in their Mm. journey to find answers. You know, I'm not going to get into it because that's not what we're talking about. But I did start I have a small business on the side um, that that evolved from my fertility journey and my you know, traumatic birthing story. And so I built this little platform. And from day one, I've been using my platform to speak out to other women and tell them that they need to trust their guts. And I can't tell you how many women have like sent me a DM telling me, I had no idea about this endometriosis. I have everything that you have. And my doctor tells me it's normal. Now I know it's not. And so many other women saying they went to a different doctor or got second opinions and they they finally have answers and things are finally getting done mm-hmm. um, because I don't want somebody else to end up in the same situation that I ended up in because it was it was a struggle. And, yeah. you know, I wouldn't change a thing about my journey because it led me to where I am now. But if I can help even one person from going through the pain that I went through, then that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And. You know, I think that's that's the thing is that we have to trust our gut, but then we often don't know what to do with that, right? Like, what do I do now? There's this doctor. He's a doctor, right? We want to trust these people. They are supposed to be the people we can trust with our lives. And then you have this doctor that you're not trusting, you're second guessing. Where do you turn? And I'm just going to speak on that a little bit because I've also had situations where I feel like I had to advocate for myself and um, I want people listening here to know that you can speak up. You can go to patient advocate services. Every single facility, every single hospital should have patient advocate services. And I know healthcare can seem like a luxury, especially when you have to pay for it, right? But it is a right that we all have and it, we have the right to be treated with dignity and it is okay to ask for second opinions. And um, if there's, if anything, if there's anything that anybody can take out of this is that it's, there are people you can talk to. There are people that will listen to you. Like, you know, as a social worker, right? You get involved in cases that people just need help and they don't know where to go because who's helping them. So definitely important to, yes, have the gut, but then, then what? So do like, oftentimes I would recommend, um, what I would say to you, um, hearing your story, what I would say to you, yes, listen to your gut. But what I would say is talk to the nurses, say, Hey, I don't feel comfortable about this. Do you have any resources for me for second opinions. And I don't know, like the whole story, you know, like if you went to a private clinic or whatnot, it all depends. Right. But definitely nurses will listen. Um, other providers will listen and definitely patient advocates will listen. And what so. a lot of people don't know is that every health insurance has patient advocates who are available to speak to you at any time of, you know, with anything that you're going through. So if you're having like female reproductive issues, there are patient advocates through your insurance. Every single insurance, doesn't matter what insurance you have, has patient advocates that are on call for you too. And don't be afraid to like utilize them because a lot of people don't even know they exist. 
That's I actually didn't know. I didn't know. And, and that's good to know, because what if you're like, I don't know who to talk to. Call your insurance. You're paying them. You're literally paying them. Yes, so my, I talked the patient advocates through my insurance probably got a phone call for me like 12 times a day for like two weeks until I was able to get what I needed when it came to, you know, later on with the birth of my son. But yeah, they're, they're really helpful. Yeah. So thank you for sharing all that with us. I know we also chatted a little bit via email. You did tell me you had a pretty traumatic birth with your second, right? With both. <laughs> with both. Okay. Um, so I... Experiences, yeah. Yeah. I would love for you to share your traumatic birth stories with us. And these might be triggering to some uh, because I think that a lot of women don't share their traumatic birth stories because when you have your baby, everything is happy and bliss and da da da. And, and you almost like black out and forget that you just went through the so much trauma. And a lot of times it doesn't come out until later in life. You're like, holy shit, I have anxiety. I have depression. I have this because this happened and I never dealt with it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, so I have two children, both through IVF, which I'm very lucky and grateful for. They're my loves, but both of my birthing experiences were really, really tough. Um, the first one was my son. His name is Gasper. He's five now. Um, and I was seeing a new OBGYN, thank God, who is amazing. Um, and I ended up in the hospital a few times with contractions, but it was just from being dehydrated and I would, you know, everything was okay. But then at 3 a.m. in the middle of a snowstorm, my water broke three months early with my son. And I was rushed to the hospital, obviously. And my doctor, who was also nine months pregnant, came in during a snowstorm and tried to do everything that she could possibly do to keep him inside. Um, but he was just not. He was not having it. He was ready to come out. So my son was born three months prematurely. Um, and he spent uh, about two months in the neonatal intensive care unit. So that in itself was really insane. I didn't even get to have a baby shower because he was born so early. So with him, I was kind of thrown into motherhood without even being remotely prepared because I was only six months pregnant. I thought I still had three whole months to, you know, get ready and, I didn't, we didn't even have furniture. We had nothing. And he spent, like I said, he spent about two months in the NICU. Um, I was, um, my milk came in the day that he was born, which the nurses said was very rare. Um, usually milk doesn't come in for like a few days after baby's born and usually not even that early. So I pumped every single day um, until he finally came home. And yeah, so that was a very traumatic birthing experience. He was I was just kind of thrusted into motherhood, but it was weird because I was only a mother during visiting hours. You know what I mean? Like I would go, you know, they would kick me out at eight o'clock at night and I would go home and not be able to come back until eight o'clock the next day. So for those 12 hours, I was, it was just like, I'm a mother, but like, where is he? You know, it, it was, it was really, it was a tough time. So that was my first, first birthing experience was prematurity. Yeah. That's. Um, that's awful to like have to be like okay visiting hours are over yeah go home, go home. oh my god I would call the nurses at like three o'clock in the morning they like were expecting my phone call they were they were wonderful they really they were wonderful but it was tough um so then but he's okay now he's a happy and healthy five-year-old and he's he's the best 
Um, and so I, you forget about your experience, right? Like you're uh-huh. just like, okay, I gave birth and we, it was an emergency C-section. It was a, you know, a rough recovery, but you forget. And then a few years later, my husband and I were like, okay, well, you know, I think it's time to go through all of this again. <laughs> and so we went, why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we do this to ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny how like easily you forget, right? Mm-hmm. So we went through all of it again. And um, that round of IVF, we got pregnant the first try with my uh, now two-year-old. Um, and she, my birth, my pregnancy was wonderful. Um, I did have to get preventative shots. A nurse came to my house every week to give me preventative um progesterone shots because my son was so premature, which was, you know, nor it hurt, you know, my butt was sore, but it was fine. Um, so my pregnancy was great and she was a scheduled C-section. She came easy. It was a great, you know, C-section. It was, it was fine. Um, you know, my recovery from the C-section was okay. I nursed her right away. She was a wonderful baby. And then six hours later, I completely bled out, just laying there, nursing her. I, I felt something. Um, and then I just started, this is, it's a little bit a trigger warning because it's a little squeamish. Is that okay to talk yeah, about? Yeah. Go trigger ahead. warning for everybody and get a little squeamish. Um, you know, I felt something, it felt like a contraction. Um, and I just was bleeding, like profusely bleeding. And so, you know, they, the nurses came in, the doctors came in, they gave me shots. They gave me all of this stuff to get the bleeding to stop. They couldn't. Um, and then after like three hours, the bleeding finally stopped and I thought it was done. And now it's like one o'clock in the morning. Um, my husband's sleeping. My son is at home with his grandma and um, I'm holding the baby again. She had just woken up to nurse and I, I felt this pain again. I started profusely bleeding And I said to my husband, I said, go get the nurses. Something's wrong. And then I blacked out and I don't remember anything. My husband says um, that I died. Uh, That's what everybody says is that I died on the table and I was brought back. Um, Obviously, I don't remember that. (laughs) Um, I just remember the nurses running in and I remember saying, um, you know, something's wrong. I see, I see a white light. I see it like, it's really bright. It's very bright. And I remember a nurse screaming, don't, don't look at the light. Don't look at the light. And then I blacked out. And then I woke up a few hours later, um, with like, no, I, I think it was like an hour. I don't know how long it was that I was blacked out for, but then I woke up to nurses and doctors. And then a nurse was like holding my hand and, and that's how I woke up. And So, um, and this was while I was holding my, like I was holding my daughter when I blacked out. So that was, God. so I was given multiple blood transfusions. They still couldn't get the bleeding to stop. They literally tried everything. At one point I had literally 20 pills, like given to me by like suppository. I had like dozens of needles, IVs, everything. I couldn't, they couldn't get the bleeding to stop. Um, and then I just started hemorrhaging. And so um, my doctor, everything happened very quickly. And I just like, I, you know, I remember bits and pieces, but my doctor kind of rushed in with a team and they rushed me into a, an emergency surgery. And I remember it was a Monday night and it was the season finale of The Bachelor. <laughs> and I said to the nurses, if I'm going to die on this table, you have to tell me 
who they picked on The Bachelor. <laughs> and she was like, do you, you're not going to die, but do you really want to know? And I was like, yes, I want to know. And I remember her telling me, I can't remember who it was. And I was rushed into surgery. Um, and when I came out of surgery, I didn't know what, what to expect in surgery. I was, you know, they put me under and I came out and I had, um, I had an emergency hysterectomy. So I woke up um, having had my uterus removed and being told that I'm now infert- infertile. So, and that happened all the day before New York city shut down for COVID. Mm. So I was Lovely. in, in the hospital. This had all just happened. I didn't know what was going. Everything was crazy. And now everybody's masking up and it was, it was just really, really scary. And so, yeah. So, <laughs> and then it was like, okay, here's your baby. Uh, oh my I, God. I was literally in, um, in, re- in the recovery room and, the baby was in the nursery and they only have nurseries in New York. I don't know how it is other places, but in New York, they only have nurseries for emergencies. So my daughter was the only one in the nursery because my husband had to go get my son. And I remember I woke up and I was in recovery and I couldn't move. And they were like, okay, here's your baby. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> can't even move. But I guess I'm a mom again. So let's do this. And yeah, you can't take a break from being a mom. There's literally no <laughs> even even when you die, literally. So literally, yeah. Uh, okay, so I have a few questions. A so lot to <laughs> uh, okay, so that's awful. I'm so sorry you went through that, and mm-hmm. how traumatic. And in that a time did or after that, did they tell you why that happened? Did you bleed out because uh, of the delivery? Because uh, I know we after delivery, you can bleed, right? Yeah. Was the, was it the endometriosis? Was it related? Yeah. So uh, my doctor said that there's never going to be uh, an exact reason for why they couldn't figure it out, but they said my endometriosis was so bad that that could have definitely played a factor, mm-hmm. but there was no guarantee why they said sometimes it, I don't know, the body just, yeah. sure. This just happened. So I never got like an exact answer. No. Yeah. So you, did you have any time to even really comprehend after the fact what happened and to even like cope and deal with the fact that you don't have a uterus anymore? Like you, you know, that's a big deal. Yeah. It it didn't hit me until I would say like three weeks later when I was like finally home and with both of my children. And I remember I was sitting up in bed and I was nursing and I, like, I remember like exactly like the exact moment I was like, holy crap, like what happened to me? And then I just started hysterical crying because I was like, oh, I'm never going to be able to go through this again. And we were lucky because we had embryos saved, you know, they were frozen. So we talked about having more children in the future. And I was just like, oh, okay. I was never like, I, like I didn't have the option to make that choice myself. And I I remember exactly where I was when it hit me. And I cried for like three days about it. Like it hit me so hard. And we were also in lockdown at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, it was the very beginning of COVID. Um, So I think that it it all kind of fell on top of me. And it went into a pretty, pretty rough, you know, postpartum depression after that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious to know when you were leaving the hospital, did they give you any resources for uh, postpartum depression, anxiety, traumatic birth experiences? Like, I feel like you would think they'd be like, wow, this, this girl's been through it. Like she needs help. <laughs> yeah. Did they? Um, 
No. And I, and again, I love my doctor so much. Um, but it was kind of just like, okay, this is what happened. We had no choice. It was either this or you die. And this is what you're going to do. And I remember I took, cause I had to, you're a nurse. So you probably know what it's called. I can't think of what it's called, but I had like a pack on me, like a monitor in my incision. I don't remember what it's called, but it was, I don't even know. So I had like a tube inside my incision and then there was like a pack on it. I don't oh, even... Like a drain, like a JP drain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it was like this little machine and I had to like wear it like on my belt. Cause it was like inside of me. And I remember, um, I had to take my daughter to the pediatrician, like for her checkup. And the pediatrician was the one that like sat me down and was like, are you okay? Like you just went through so much. Like, are you like mentally, are you okay? And she was the first person that like asked me that. So it was really nice because, you know, for weeks I was like, um, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then she asked me that. And I just started hysterical crying. And I was like, I'm actually not okay. You're right. Like I'm not okay. And I didn't even, I didn't even realize that I wasn't okay until somebody asked me if I was yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, actually they have standardized and I, I can't speak for everywhere. But at least here locally, they've standardized that um, pediatricians are supposed to ask the mom if they're okay oh. now. Like yeah. they're supposed to ask you the depression questions. And and like, I remember them asking me that with my, uh, my daughter. And I was like, why do you care? <laughs> like, why do you care about me? <laughs> but after really, after finding out they're supposed to that, like, that's really nice because then they can set you up. So, you, I mean, not, you're technically not the patient, but you are what's keeping yeah. the patient alive. So, yeah. so that's nice. And did you end up ever getting any help or any resource, any help for what you went through? Um, so not right away. Um, I kind of depended more on my friends, especially I have this one friend, her name is Cynthia. Um, and she went through a traumatic birthing experience too. So she kind of became like my, you know, my uh, my rock, um, in the beginning, but, um, after about a year, I finally said like enough is enough. Like I'm now having PTSD from this and things that I never thought about, like, or things are triggering me. And so now I am seeing a therapist, Mm -hmm. um, and it's the best decision I ever made. I'm, I'm very happy that I, I finally made that decision to see somebody. I think it's important for everybody to have um, somebody to depend on, you know, somebody they can talk to. Can you talk a little bit about the things that made you realize like you really needed help? Like what, what were you having? What were you feeling? Yeah. So um, like I said, I went through, I definitely went through a depression, but we were in the middle of this pandemic and everything was shut down and you couldn't see anybody and you couldn't, you know, nobody had appointments and it was just crazy. So for like a year, I was just kind of like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then I would like go on like my Facebook or like my Instagram. And I would see like, not even like a friend, like a, a random acquaintance that I was friends with that would announce their pregnancy. And I would be like, Oh, what's that feeling? Like, I'm happy for them, but like, ouch, that hurts. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, PTSD or that's, um, you know, that's a trigger for me because I can't have children anymore. And I, you know, that wasn't a decision that I made myself. So I think that when I was realizing that I was getting triggered by all of these like little things around me that normally wouldn't, like, I wouldn't even like think twice about, 
And when I would like go into a funk because of it, like I would like, like it would like consume me for hours. Like I would just keep thinking about it. And I would be so depressed that like, I didn't even want to talk to my husband. Um, you know, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to go take a shower and hide in the shower for 40 minutes and cry. Um, I think that's when I realized like, oh yeah, it's time. It's time to start getting help for myself. Yeah. And my anxiety was really bad. And, you know, I think that I let it go on for too long. Um, and I was kind of out of control. I wish I didn't let it go on as long as I did. And I, that's why I think it's important for people to realize their triggers and, and seek help like as early as they can. So it doesn't get too bad, but. Mm. Well, yeah. you know me, I'm, I'm a huge fan of therapy. Like I think everyone should be in therapy, whether they've had trauma or not. But with your trauma, obviously you've had some very big traumas. And I think that, wow, you've really come out strong and like, you have this desire to educate, the desire to uh, advocate for women. And I think that's amazing. And I think a lot of women though, I think your case is pretty rare, right? Like not many women can take it and make something of it because we are taught that it is not okay to not be okay. We are taught to just do it. Right. And I think that what women need to take away from this is that it is okay to not be okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, I might be the strong, amazing, powerful woman, and you might be this amazing, strong business badass, but it is okay if we're not okay. Like, I don't know if you saw my stories on Instagram today. I literally said like, I'm not okay. I was not okay yesterday and I'm just not okay lately, but that's okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm working on it, but right now I'm not okay. And I think that women need to know that that's normal and that there is help out there um, and resources, right? And that's why I love what you're doing because you're so transparent about it. And that's one of the reasons that like I was drawn to to your page and to the podcast um, because you were one of those um, people that made me feel like less alone and less stigmatized by it. Right. So like now I'm on medication for anxiety now. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I first became like started on medicine, I was like, I'm not telling everybody, Mm -hmm. I'm not telling anybody. And now like, I feel like seeing you be transparent, others being transparent. I shout out to the world. I'm like, I'm on medicine and it's the best thing. I'm in therapy. It's the best thing ever. Do it. You know? Yeah. It's really important to be open about those things. I agree. And I think the more that you're open about your hardships and your struggles, that you are making other women feel less alone. And I know you have made something really big out of this. You started a business, you have your own page and your own community. So I would love for you to share with us here where we can find you. Like say I have listeners that can relate to you. Where can they find you? How can they get in touch? And please share your little business with us. I would love to hear more about that. Thank you. Um, So I'm very into the holistic world and I'm very big into crystals and how crystals have these healing properties. So when my son was in the NICU, I taught myself how to make jewelry and I incorporated these crystals because they just made me happy and gave me happy vibes. Um, And I turned it into a business. It's called True Warrior Jewelry, which I named for my son, who is my little warrior. Um, And so um, I do sell handmade healing jewelry on my Instagram page, which is at true underscore warrior underscore jewelry. Um, But like I said, I'm also very big on advocating and speaking about my story. Um, I donate um, proceeds every month 
of what I make to different charities, mostly surrounding infertility, um, birth trauma, um, premature births, um, and mental health. Those are like the four main things that we, we focus on charity wise. And we focus on talking about, um, and if you follow me, you will see me tell everybody every day that if you need somebody to talk to, please DM me because I am a licensed therapist. Um, so I can talk to you and give you, um, referrals for therapists in your area or uh, referrals for support groups or online Facebook groups, um, really anything. So please feel free to, to DM me if you need anything. Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. Thank you. I'm so grateful for this opportunity and to, to talk to you. (laughs) As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe follow along on social media and leave me a review. Let's chat next time.